Welcome everyone to Night Court, another edition of the podcast. I am Rob Fisher. He is Brevin Knight, 12-year NBA veteran, NCAA tournament appearance. Sweet 16. Sweet 16 appearance, conference of champions. Yes, sir. That's who Brevin Knight is. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Enjoying, uh, we're, we're happy to be back at our, our, our home digs again. That's right. Out here overlooking the, the, the city of Memphis. And so uh, I feel great. I feel it, good. And it's a beautiful day in Memphis. Thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, we thank you for joining us each and every week and uh, listening in. Make sure you subscribe and uh, tune in, subscribe, download the podcast, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell grandma, get everybody involved and uh, listen in and review, do whatever you can. Follow us on Twitter. It's at nightcourt 22 at Brevin Knight 22 at the Fish Nation is where you can catch all of us. And uh, so, yeah, we, we invite you to do that. You can send questions in, and we'll answer those on the podcast. And uh, love mingling with the people. So, uh, yeah, get your questions in and join us here on the podcast. And uh, we thank you for listening. And you can, uh, of course, listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, that was good. That was I did it quick I this think, week. Yeah, I think you had that one down to minute 30. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit better than last week, where I was like, duh. Um, all right, Brevin, a couple of important things. Food. Yeah. We're going to start with food. What I, we, I we, food. we seem to talk about it a lot, because this year is different for us than normal years, where normally we would show up at the arena, we'd eat dinner at the arena, uh, and then after the game, if we were on the road, we'd have a meal, uh, you know, with the team. And so meals were always taken care of. This year, not so much. We, we, <laughs> we have to provide for ourselves. What's your favorite thing to come home to? Um, favorite thing to come home to is just something that is home cooked. So I, I, uh, I thank my, my beautiful wife because she does a fantastic job of mixing up uh, the meals. And so it, it's whatever she cooks. At this point, is I'm, I'm in absolute love with uh, because it's a home cooked meal. I'm not having to because if she wasn't here, that means a lot of uh, Wendy's, McDonald's. Uh-huh. I get I, I fall back into old habits, and I don't think my, my my body really wants me to fall back into those habits. I was I was so angry last night. Uh oh, and and it's embarrassing to be angry about this, but we wanted Arby's. Just in the mood for Arby's. Okay. Right? Went to one Arby's, go through the drive-thru. I was like, yeah, I'd like a beef and cheddar. Oh, sorry. We're not going to have beef for about another hour. Was, was it at nighttime? What? The, what? Your, your Arby's. <laughs> what do you mean you're not going to have beef for another hour? <laughs> well, what the hell you want me to order? Just give me some <laughs> curly fries. I'll be on my way. No so, beef for an hour. Did you, go, did you guys go somewhere else? Did you come back? So I went to the other Arby's. You know, so now I'm driving all over town. So I, I go to one Arby's in Germantown. Now I'm going to the Arby's in Cordova, and I go to the Arby's in Cordova, and I'm sitting there in the drive-through line, and they're not answering me. But I see someone up at the window. I was like, "Oh, well, maybe the drive-through speaker's out or something, right?" So I pull up. That guy finally pulls away. I pull up, and they're like, "Hey, sorry, our system's down. We can't take any orders." I'll tell you this much. I, that's why I never. That's why I never liked Arby's. Yeah, but that beef and cheddar. When mm. you go to Wendy's. You go to McDonald's, they got burgers all the time. The beef is always ready. So then I go to Firehouse Subs. 
I like Firehouse. And shout out to Firehouse. I, I like Firehouse. Yes, I like Firehouse. But I went to a different Firehouse than I normally go to. I go to the one in Germantown normally. But since now I'm in Cordova searching for Arby's to be open, I go to the Firehouse that's in Cordova. And I go in. And you know, they're always nice when you walk in. Welcome to Firehouse. Yes. You know, that whole deal. Yep. So then I go up and, and I'm ready to order. And my, my wife, God bless her, but she is she's she's the worst person to buy food for. Because it has to be so specific. Yes. And if there's one thing wrong, it just ruins the meal for her. Like, I could come home in this whole specific order. She'd be like, oh, they didn't put onions on it. And I'm like, well, put some damn onions on yourself. <laughs> She's not listening, so I can say this. So I'm like, please, just don't screw up my wife's order. That's all I ever ask. Please, just don't screw up her order. Oh, please. Right. But they always do because it's too specific. So I, I pull in, and this guy. He's like, can I help you? He was crabby. And I said, all right, I'd like a, the turkey sub on white. And he goes, you want everything on it? And I said, well, she wants the turkey. She want, He said, do you want everything on it? I'm, I'm telling you what I want. And I looked at him and I said, no, no, I don't want everything on it. This is what I want. What don't you want? This is, I don't know what comes on it. This is what I want. I want cheddar cheese. What don't you want? And I'm like, here's what I want. Stop trying to get me to answer your question and listen to what I'm telling you. So then I'm like, oh, my God, I hope he got it right because that's hers. And, of course, I got home. He forgot the onions. So then she had to put the onions on herself and and make some, you know, slice up some onions and put the onions on herself. And I was like, I I don't know what to tell you. He was crabby. He was really crabby. First time I've ever met a crabby person in Firehouse. Yeah, because Firehouse is, I'm a big uh, meatball sub. Mm. At Firehouse, and that, that that usually that puts me over. In. And like you said, there, I haven't run into too many upset Firehouse people. That's like running into a upset Chick Fil A person or Publix. I don't yeah. know, I mean, I don't, a lot of people might not know about, but that's like you, you never run into those people being Mm-mm. upset. No, no, no. Although I did it at Publix one time in Florida when I walked in, and we were on vacation. And I had on a Memphis shirt. She's like, I'm from Memphis. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah, you know, how you enjoy it down here? She's like, I don't know why you'd live in Memphis. Like, but why you got to go there? <laughs> i tell yeah. you something. It's too hot down here in Florida, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, so that was my uh, my experience at the firehouse uh, last night. Although it was uh, it was, it was was delicious. Mine, was, mine you, was fine. What do you get? I get the Italian usually. Okay. With no tomatoes or uh, the hook and ladder even. I'll mix it up a little bit. But the best thing about Firehouse is that they have the, the drink soda machine, machi- the drink machine. Yes, that drink machine. And I is- can get my Fanta yes. grape soda. Uh, mm. Well, no, what I can get my mm. high C orange. I lo- Listen, McDonald's, I stopped going to McDonald's when they took the high C orange out and they made just a Fanta orange soda. Mm. No more high C. Why can't they bring it back like they, they bring back br- the McRib? The thing is, they're bringing it back. And I thought, it was, I thought it was already back. I go to McDonald's here in Memphis, and I'm like, you guys got the high C orange. They're like, no, we got Fanta. I was like, whoa. I saw that <laughs> high C was supposed to be back now at McDonald's. Where's the high C? And so I got, but so yes, I, that's why I love, it's the other reason why I love Firehouses, because when they put the, you remember when they put that machine in the, uh-huh. the when they changed it from the regular oh, yeah. fountain one to this like fancy one I was like oh this is fancy first one I ever saw was at Fuddruckers okay. in San Antonio 
Well, I was like, this is this is fancy. Yeah. It, it, but the thing is, you get some people that don't know how to work it, and now we're all just stuck waiting yeah. for that one person. And here, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. The worst thing about these soda machines that are these new machines where everything comes out of the same spout, they don't clean them well enough. So if you get like a regular Coke, it tastes terrible. So that's why I always get the grape oh, soda, because it still tastes great. Well, listen, that, that high C orange always came out high C, it came out high C orange. <laughs> So, do you ever like grape soda? Were you ever a grape soda kid? No, I, I, I just a little bit. My mom did not. She didn't allow. She didn't have. We didn't have soda in our house when we were younger. Okay. You know why she was like? Because it's, it's gonna break your skin out. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I, I look in yeah. the mirror right now every day, and I'm like, thank you, Brenda Knight, for not having grape for soda. Not having soda. Yeah. No, I love the grape soda. I think they took grape soda off the Grizzlies' plane because of me and Zebo. Yes, I think they did also. <laughs> just like they took cranberry, cran apple juices off because of me and EP. Yeah. Because <laughs> me and EP, we were like, whichever ones weren't drank for that trip, right. were in our backpacks. We uh, we have uh, we have developed a new uh, ritual for the games. Speaking of food, our snack at the game. Yes. We got the Brims pork rind fat back strips that are, I, you can get them at the Circle K. You can get them at Walgreens, actually, as well. They are phenomenal. Except one, a couple of times, it's almost put you out of work. <laughs> well, listen. Where you couldn't speak for about five minutes. Well, Petey knows when, I, when he sees that hand go to the cough button and he sees me go for the water all at once, that I have, there's no way that I can talk at that point. <laughs> they got that, a good kick. It means that I've, un, so I tell everybody, when you eat this now, you can't inhale right. before you go to bite. You have to put it in your mouth and bite. Don't inhale because you inhale. Whatever they put on there, that's the the heat part mm-hmm. is going down, and you will choke. It's so good. I've had, yeah, I've had my, I had my couple of, and then I've I, I've had it on the post game, like it carried over to the post game the one night. Oh yeah, where I where I thought it wasn't I wasn't gonna make it just because <laughs> I was I was you sweat a little bit. Like, yeah, nothing you can do to stop it, but you man, we have a feast between those pork rinds, your your pretzels, my grapes. I mean we. We do we do pretty well. Yeah, we eat well uh, at the games. Just bringing our own stuff, uh, <laughs> and and my and my drinks. I bring a whole cooler to the games right now, which is always difficult to get in through security. <laughs> we found a way though. We got a friend. Yeah, uh, NCAA tournament, man. We're down to the final four, and uh, if you listen to this after Saturday night, we're down to the championship game. What do you anticipate to be the championship game? Uh, I. I anticipate the, the two teams that everybody everybody wants to see wants to see it and um, listen I'm going to root extremely hard for, for UCLA to be able to continue their upset ways and I mean you just think about their story it's just amazing that they're going from the first four into the playing games to now being in the final four I mean yep. it's just an amazing journey for for their team but I, by the end of the day I just think that Gonzaga and Baylor are just Two teams that are that are just a little bit above. And they have been all year. Exactly the rest of, the rest of the college teams. Yeah, the UCLA thing is amazing to me because the first night of the tournament when they played Michigan State, I I was looking at FanDuel Sportsbook, and they had a special where it was like a risk free fifty dollar bet. If you right. lose it, they give you your fifty dollars back. If you win it, you, you know you win fifty dollars. But it expired after that night and I was like hell there's only one game left it's UCLA Michigan I'll go ahead and bet UCLA the 50 bucks and they're down the whole game the whole game 
Then they make a run at the end. They send it to overtime. They win in overtime. I win my 50 bucks. I'm happy, right? Since then, I've bet against them every single game. And for some reason, even with Grizzlies games and my kids and everything, for some reason, I've seen every UCLA game during this tournament. And they've amazed me at having different ways that they win and just playing solid and being there haven't playing with the lead, yes. which has been very huge for them. But to get where they're at, they've been unbelievable unbelievable to watch. And uh, and for how much I want to believe in them against Gonzaga, I'm betting against them again. I mean, even though it's 14, I just think Gonzaga's that good. But, but man, this time of year, in every sport, you have that team that gets hot and it's playing its best – over the course of the entire season, playing their best right now. And that's UCLA, man. And they've been fun to watch, and they're giving everybody hell. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if they give Gonzaga everything they could handle. Well, I, I, I think that they will be – this will not be a more than 14-point spread game. I think that they are, they're competitive enough, and they can control the pace of the game enough. Like So most people would think of UCLA – get up and down the floor, score. But Mick Cronin is a, a guy that we have opportunities, then we take them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're going to execute the hell out of you. And, and that's what they've been doing. And, and on the defensive side, they've shown a level of toughness because they, they'll play small and have to rely on their guards to have to do a lot of rebounding. Forwards to step up big. And so um, I, I'm, I'm rooting hard for them. As, as you said, I just think that Gonzaga has just a little bit more um, that allows them to be a little bit better. Yeah, and Houston against Baylor will be interesting. Houston plays great defense. And, and they I, offensively I, I, rebound the hell out of the And they offensive rebound Jeez. the hell out of the ball, and that's something Baylor does not do well is rebound. So I think it gives Houston a chance. I, I think that game is going to be – I think it will be entertaining uh, for those two teams. But I'm like everybody else. I'm hoping to see Gonzaga-Baylor because I've thought they're the two best teams all season long. And, they were supposed uh, to play each other earlier they were supposed in the year, to, but yeah. it got with COVID. COVID yeah. yeah, so – uh, only fitting, like you said, Houston. I, I think they. The thing with this game with Baylor and Houston is, I think you look in a mirror, you see two teams that look similar in terms of how they like to use their athleticism. Mm-hmm. I think the skill of the Baylor players is what will be different. Is the difference in this game? Yeah. They're not gonna outwork Houston. I just think the skill at some point will take over. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you talk, You tweeted last week, congratulations to the Memphis Tigers. Yes. We talked last week. Your NIT experience was yes. miserable. Um, Tigers win the NIT. Good for them. I, yeah, I yes. mean, I, I look at it this way. For the most part, usually, unless some team that didn't make a conference tournament wins their last game for some reason, even though they're that bad, um, there are only three teams at the end of the year that win their final game. The NCAA tournament winner, the third place winner in the NIT, <laughs> and then the champion of the NIT. I, I think it's great. You're one of three teams in the country that won your final game of the season, and um, you know, and you won a trophy, and you you, you got to, you get to hang a banner, and you know, you went out and you accomplished something against. I would think any time you play in the NIT regardless of what's happening in our country and in our world right now, you play with a little adversity. And, and so I think that's important. And I, and I thought that it was a validation championship for this Tigers team because they started off struggling. Yep. And they just had to find their way of how what was going to be the best way for them to play. How can they all be on the same page? And, and it was a test for Penny to be able to coach them up 
enough to get them to that point. And so I thought that it was this was a culmination of just hard work and dedication by the players and by the coaching staff to number one, not just get down on themselves as players, not get down on themselves as coaches, but to continue to believe that if we just make these adjustments, play this way. They were always a good defensive team. They had to figure out offensively how can we find a rhythm. And they found a pretty good offensive rhythm. And so my NIT experience was my experience. That's why the way I talk about it. But for for a team like this that at the end of the day we all look at and how they performed in this NIT, we all know that they're an NCAA basketball team. Things just didn't go right yeah. and at the time early in the year to allow them to be able to be in this point. But you look at Houston, that's in the Final Four. I mean, these are single-digit, two-point two games that they played against Houston, late-game situations. And so um, they were definitely an NCAA team that just didn't make it to the NCAA, but they let it be known. And, and I give them a lot of credit for sucking it up, coming out and playing and being – by far, in a way, the best team in NIT. Yeah, now the Tigers hit like mo a lot of teams, most teams in the country with the transfer portal. Yep. And players now basically free agency in college athletics. Um, you've had three impact players that have left the program this week. But you look around the country, and that's about the average for every team in the country, which is amazing to me how times have changed with this transfer portal. You are you a fan of the transfer portal? Um, I allowing players to leave and not lose eligibility. I'm not. Uh, I am not all the way against it because coaches do it, right? Um, and so it is. Does it put those the teams that they're on in a uh, precarious position? Yes, it does. But adjustment and adversity is, part, is a part of life. So for that university, then you have to figure out how do you go out and find more players. What I think is going to happen through this all is there aren't enough spots for everyone to leave from their team and think that you're going to greener pastures. Right. Because if you think you're going to another good team and you are already struggling on your team to get minutes, well, when you go to the other team, that team has good players also in some way. So it's not like the keys will be are going to be handed over to every one of these players. And so I think the biggest thing is the realization that maybe you had to be a better player to play more minutes. And then there'll be those situations that don't work out. And so there'll be some people that need to move on and go somewhere else. And hopefully they'll be fine. And so I don't have a, a problem with it. It, it is – I kind of in, – in my mind at this point, I feel like life – is full of adverse adverse moments. Yeah, former Tiger Jeremy Hunt came out and basically said good riddance because if you don't want to be a part of the program, we don't want you. So get the hell out. I mean, well, that, I mean is he, that fair? Yeah, it's fair. If, if someone feels as though that it is their, their best opportunity to go somewhere else, all you can do is pat them on the back and say good luck. Yeah. And then from there you move on to figure out how do we move on as a team? What do we have to do to continue to be better? But – at, at, at the end of the day, it's a personal choice, um, and and for those colleges that lose the players, um, you know, hopefully you have enough people in the pile, and you have people that other people that go into the portal that you think may work for your team. So um, there's some people that go into the portal that some teams have been trying to figure out how do I get rid of you? Yeah, yeah. This is the way. It's uh, it's very interesting, but gonna have to rebuild like a lot of teams. In the country. Roy Williams, coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. Yes. Legendary coach. 
only coach to have 400 or more wins with two different programs. He did it with Kansas and, of course, did it with the North Carolina Tar Heels as well. He steps down. Um, I don't think surprising. I think it's very difficult for coaches now. You know, talk about the transfer portal. I think that makes it tough. I think because you don't want to beg kids to stay. I mean, that just adds more to the recruiting headache for these older coaches. Um, COVID has definitely taken its toll on a lot of older coaches and and really a lot of coaches, young or old, actually. It's taken its toll. It's been a really hard year. Uh, So I don't think it's a surprise that Roy Williams steps down. But, you know, one of the greats. And um, I've always kind of rolled my eyes at Roy Williams. I mean, the guy's won. He's recruited well. He's had great players. He's been at two blue blood programs. Had success at both. Won national championships. But I always roll my eyes at him because daggum. His his woe is me and his tears. He reminds me a lot of Dick Vermeil. Yes. And I covered Dick Vermeil in St. Louis with the Rams. And I'll never forget when Lawrence Phillips, who was just, you know, he was just a problem. He was a problem in college. He was a problem in the pros. Always got in trouble. Um, the Rams finally had to give up on him and finally just cut him after another run-in with the law. And for me, for me, out there at the press conference talking to the media, tears in his eyes just saying, I love him. He's like a son to me. I love him. And you're like, dude, well, your son sucks, man. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how we felt. Uh, but Roy Williams reminds me a lot of Dick Vermeil, where it's just a lot of crying, a lot of tears. Jerry West was the same way. <laughs> Stop crying, man. Everybody shows it. <laughs> everyone shows it. It is fine for you to show your emotions. Sure. Do not listen. To I know, I all. know, no, no. If that's you, true. It's you, very, I'm an emotional person. I cry watching Glee, man. Exactly. So you shouldn't say a damn word to these guys crying about the relationships with their players. And, and I think... Like you said, I think that is a big reason why uh, Roy Williams is viewed the way he is because I don't think people people won't give him enough credit for being a great coach because he was um, in touch with his players. I would like to I call it that way. Some people are like, yeah. well, he's sensitive. No, I just I just think that he cares for 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 his players and and, and he has he lets his feelings be be known and so. He, but in terms of coaching, the wins, uh, the recruiting, and what he was able to do, uh, there's no there's no second guessing how great of a coach he was. Now, this article that I'm looking at was written three years ago, so take that into account. So, not even thinking of who he's coached in the last three years, if you'd put him on a list, I don't I don't know. But the top 20 players that Roy Williams has coached in his tenure, and I look at this list and I find it very interesting because. It's not as great as I thought it would be. I mean, when you're talking about Kansas in its heyday and you're talking about North Carolina, you just think All-American, All-American, NBA All-Star, NBA Alls. It's not, mm-hmm. really, which I think is a lot of credit to Roy Williams and who he is as a coach and his ability to recruit college basketball players yes. and who cares about the NBA right. um, and, and to win with that I think is impressive. But you look at these 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 players. We'll start. These are the top twenty, and we'll start at twenty: Bryce Johnson, Mark Randall, Tyler Zeller, Kendall Marshall, Rex Walters, Justin Jackson, Harrison Barnes, Joel Berry, John Henson, Wayne Ellington at number eleven. Your top ten: Kirk Heinrich at ten, Ty Lawson at nine, Drew Gooden at eight, Raymond Felton at seven. Nick Collison at six, 
Five is Paul Pierce. Four, Rashad McCants. Three, Sean May. Two, Rafe LaFrentz. And one, Tyler Hansbrough. Tyler Hansbrough, because he won more games, most games with him. But listen, here's the thing. He was a great college player. At the end of his the day. His worst numbers, Hansbrough's worst numbers his freshman year, he averaged 19 and 8. That's what I'm saying. Like, some people are just phenomenal college, college basketball. Yeah. And he was what he was able to, to do was amass talent, but then figure out how does this talent play together. And I think that that was what he did. And, and there'll be, you know, some of those guys had decent NBA careers. Some had great with Paul Pierce, of course, having a fantastic career but with, and winning championships. And so um, I, I just think that he was always a college coach, and he yeah. stayed in his lane, and he knew how to win college basketball games. And, yeah. and he was able to be at two programs that he was going to get top-level players to be able to now go out and execute what he wanted to do. So I, I give him the credit to be able to be a as good of a communicator as a coach. Yeah, and Coach I mean, Coach K is very similar. A guy who, you know, a lot of the, when you look at that list, a lot of the best players for Roy Williams, and I think you look back at the career of Mike Krzyzewski, you'd say the same thing. Although recently, Krzyzewski's kind of adapted. I mean, yeah. but it was a long time before Krzyzewski ever had a one and done. Right. You know, I mean, Carlos Boozer, when when he came out, was like, oh my God, Carlos Boozer's coming out. What what happened to Mike Krzyzewski? Right, right, right. <laughs> this guy's coming out early. Uh, what did but, he do wrong? <laughs> but I, I think you're right. You know, those are college players, and when they have that sort of impact on the college game for three or four years, they become some of the greatest college players of all time. Yes. I mean, Christian Leitner is arguably the greatest col- greatest player Mike Krzyzewski ever coached. Had a decent NBA career. I mean, he, he put a career together. Never lived up to where he was drafted or what he what people thought he might be in the pros. But that's because he was an incredible, one of the best college basketball players of all time. Exactly. And and there, there are those people that excel. Then there's the flip. There are guys that don't excel as well in a college game. Right. But then they get a chance to, to play professional basketball, and it's totally different for them. Yeah. It, it's, a lot of it is about timing in the situation that you go to yeah does the situation fit your skill set or are they trying to work you into something make you something that you're not yeah by the way uh speaking of college basketball i would like to brag for a second in the nit this year my bets i bet on every game in the nit this year i went 13 2 and 1 against the spread 13 2 and 1 against the spread you you redeemed yourself man you have redeemed yourself you can call my service for just twenty dollars a day. Call one nine hundred. The fish. Nine hundred. <laughs> Do they still have those? Do they still have nine hundred numbers? I don't know. When was there ever a nine hundred number? <laughs> when you had to pay for stuff. It wasn't toll free. It was nine hundred. <laughs> I don't. But I don't know if they're doing that anymore. But yeah, I need to send my service out. Thirteen two and one against the spread. In the NIT, and I've been killing it on the Grizzlies broadcast lately too. So make sure you tune into that. Um, You're trying right. to get your expert status back again. I am trying to get expert status back. Although Major League Baseball's opening day, I think I went two and eight. <laughs> so I haven't figured out baseball I, just I, yet. I, I, it was will, opening day. I will never figure out baseball. No, it's tough. All right, our NBA whip around uh, this week's pretty easy. We saw Utah, Utah, and Utah. We saw them three times. <laughs> Uh, lost all three games, had two really good games, and one that just was never close. Um, they're really good. They're, they're a really good. Team. good. They, they are. Listen, Donovan Mitchell is an excellent individual player with his talent. 
but they have done a a fabulous job of integrating everyone else into the system. They have a system. Uh, I'm listening. They play. They play great on the offensive end. Move the basketball. Individual play. But it's that defensive side where they really are able to switch a lot of pieces because they are a lot of same size guys. Um, they they force you to take the shots that they want you to take. Mm-hmm. That's a that that's the sign of a good defensive team. And then of course they got the guy back there and Gobert who just he, if he's not blocking it he's altering it. And he does a good job of blocking or altering. And if you miss the shot, he's still involved in the rebounding. And, and so uh, I, I just think that Favors has, has felt fallen into a nice role, that backup five for them. Um, Clarkson comes off the bench and does what he does. Of course, Connolly is, is a lot, look, just looks a lot more comfortable in what his role is mm-hmm. with Donovan Mitchell dominating the ball. And so I, I they will be a, I think they will be a, a really, really, tough out for anyone are okay and i know pete asked you this the other night on the broadcast can you win can you win with the style that they play and the volume of jump shoot jump shots that they take three pointers that they take can you win like that in the postseason i I think that they can win that way because they can do the other things like they can make the floaters with, with Conley and mitchell getting into the paint um they, they, we saw Bogdanovich, who was a big three-point shooter, do a lot of his work going towards the basket when the perimeter shots were taken away. So I think is is shooting the threes and they shoot the most threes in the league. Is that big for them? It's big for them. Yeah. But I, I believe they they can play in a different brand of basketball than just shoot threes. That gives them a chance. Uh, to win, even though they're more of a perimeter-oriented team. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I think the the thing that I I've enjoyed watching them more this year than in years past, and I, I think last year, as you said, it was it was. It's hard to call it rebuilding because they <laughs> they were really good, right? But but just kind of acclimating. It was almost That's, an acclimating yes, year. Yes. And and now, I mean, when you watch them play, now, the way they they move the basketball around. Yes. And when they move it, whoever's on the floor, if they got the shot, they're fine with them taking the shot because they got a bunch of guys that can take the shot. And the one thing I mentioned the last game was they made the most cross-court passes mm-hmm. that I've seen in a long time to shooters that were wide open right. uh, the majority of the time. All right, uh, Clarice. It's been off for a couple weeks. Yeah, man, and I, I forgot because of the tournament. Tournament, yeah. So I turned it on the other night. I'm like, oh, I should have two episodes. Yeah. I got no episodes. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, we're, but, but now it's back. And uh, we recommend Clarice on CBS. Terrific yeah. show. I, listen, I love it. And I would tell everybody, I just finished watching uh, what's on Netflix. It's usually the last chance you. Oh, yeah? The basketball. I've one. never watched it. The football ones are, are decent. The basketball one was cool. I didn't know how they would, how they do it. The ba- I just finished watching that. That was good. Yeah? That mm-hmm. was good. I mean, just to see kids that why they fall off. You know what I mean? Like, you see so many of these kids that are so good for so long, and then all of a sudden it's like, what happened to him? Like, right. where'd he go? And so, you know, you hear their stories and everything. It was, it was, I like, I like that. I like watching those last chance years. All right, cool. Very cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for us, man. Um, happy Easter to everyone yes, uh, this happy weekend. Easter. Uh, wait till you see what I'm wearing Sunday. Holy cow. Brand new outfit for Sunday on Grizzlies Live on Bally Sports. Well, I, I will, I'll, I'll tone down then. Well, we're, we're, it's an away game? Uh, yeah, in Philadelphia. 
Oh, so that means I'll be up on the set with you. Mm-hmm. Let's just go outrageous. I'm going outrageous, man. It is every pastel you can think of is what I'm going for Easter okay. Sunday. Well, you know what? I'm going outrageous on Sunday, too. Sweet. I'm about to, I'm going through the closet, <laughs> and I'm going to find something that's on edge. <laughs> I can't wait. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, make sure you tune in, subscribe, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell your neighbor, uh, tell everybody uh, about uh, Night Court and uh, tune in. And we thank you for listening each and every week here to the podcast. We'll do it again next week. Oh, we didn't even get into Major League Baseball. Brevin, it was opening day this week, man. Go Cardinals. Anything? No. Nothing. Uh, You know what? I got to watch my Mets. Go Mets. Let's go Mets. Oh, no, no. Somebody just got paid $300 million again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's a Mets. Mets. Yeah, Francisco Lindor. Yeah, I don't try to say the names. (laughs) (laughs) But, But... I played the wrong sport is what I want to say about baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of athletes say that same thing. You're right. Baseball is about to explode. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm telling you right now, there will be a resurgence yeah. in baseball, especially in the inner cities. Yeah. People keep hollering about this basketball and football. No. Nope. Baseball. Yeah. That's the way to go, man. If you're, Especially if you're left-handed, just pick up a ball, man. Oh, man. Pick up a ball. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Night Court. Thanks for joining us. Again, follow us on Twitter as well, at Night Court 22, at Brevin Night 22, and at The Fish Nation is where you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, listen wherever you get your podcasts to Night Court, and uh, we thank you for listening, and uh, we'll do it again next week. For Brevin, I'm Fish. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week here on Night Court. Peace.